Welcome back to Jokerman, a podcast about Bob Dylan, the artist. My name is Ian. I'm joined, as always, by... Evan. Evan. Uh, I guess it's a good time to mention, perhaps also... Uh, fo- uh, follow us on social media if you are if you are so interested. We have uh, active presences on on both Instagram and Twitter. That's true. It's Jokerman Podcast on Instagram and also on on Twitter. <laughs> yes, uh, and and uh, depending on what you're what you're interested in, uh, there, there's something to serve you on on both of those accounts. Uh, if if you're interested in just awful looking pictures of Bob throughout his career Instagram is your place to go and if you're interested in odd musings about whatever random song one of us might be listening to at any given moment Twitter is Twitter is your place follow follow us at both spots it's uh, it's a great thing to do yeah it's rewarding and it's um, really good and fun we love to engage with fans on social media yeah we know nothing else well, we're back to Street Legal. Side B, we flipped the record. And uh and now we're we're getting into getting into the back half. Some more some more high points, I think. But uh but they also come with their commensurate lows. And if you're just joining us, uh that's fine. I mean I don't I'm not gonna pressure you to listen to the previous episode uh about street legal side A. Um, we're not a podcast that tells you to do anything except to follow us on the social media if you like. Yes. Basically, you're catching us with our pants down uh, in the middle of uh, a record that came out in 1978, which is basically the reason we decided to do a podcast like this, uh, because this is where Bob Dylan and his career is uh in uncharted waters we're at a point where things are we're optimistically you could say you know anything could happen and uh, if you want to be a a sourpuss you could say um some of the worst things <laughs> in bob dylan's career uh are about <laughs> to happen <laughs> uh we like on on this podcast on jokerman to have an attitude that's a perfect yin yang symbol of both of those attitudes where we understand that some of these records are considered bad. And we understand on the other hand that they're considered uh, kind of good anyway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the, that's, that's sort of the, the, the mission or the, the MO of this, of this project is, you know, Bob is the raisin d'etre. Raison d'etre, yes. Um, you know, Bob is Bob, is Bob and uh, there, there's never been anyone better to do it. Um, but he doesn't have a universal 100% hit rate, at least as far as his standards go. And so these moments when he's 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 laid low and he's he's been um, he's struggling and, and muddling through as best he can without direction and, and through uh, heartbreak and, and pain uh, really reveals something about him that might not be there if you're if you're only listening to the blonde on blondes and and the highway 61s and the blood on bloods on the tracks you, you really got to get down into the 
down into the slop with him to see what kind of person he he is when he's when he's at his weakest and hopefully to learn a little bit about what kind of person you are and and something about the whole of the human condition uh, sure. ideally i mean it's rare that you have an artist an american artist who has been working this long through all the decades that you know and love and uh has something to say no matter what, even when he doesn't, he'll come up with something. And uh, even when he shouldn't, he'll come up with something. But frankly, it's more than you've ever fucking done. That's true. More than I've ever done. If even one song is kind of good on a Bob Dylan record, it means it's got to be in the Library of Congress. This is an important <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Yes, that the, those are the those are the categories or the the qualifications. Yeah, um, they're really. I mean, I think there is usually at least one good song on on all the records. Um, you know, well, we haven't gotten to down in the groove yet, but right. Or, honestly, um, that record is like. Whew, I we'll get into it later. This is why you listen to the podcast because we don't. We actually do this in order where we don't really like spend time listening to these records that much before until right before the episode. Like a little peek behind the curtain. Ian, you you don't like peek that much before we really are about to do the next one. Like we both know the stuff, but we've been kind of refreshing in real time. Yeah, I mean some some of these records are more are more familiar to me than others. Uh some I haven't even listened to ever. Um I guess not not any of the ones that we've gone through up until this point at least, but like uh, Down in the Groove for instance, I I have never heard a single song. Uh so it will it will be a whole new experience for me. I have but yeah, I, I know you have. I know I yeah. I've heard I've heard your opinion on it. I've such sights to show you. I I I truly can't wait that and um What's the other one? Um, oh mercy is no. Is, oh mercy is no, good. No, 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 not oh mercy. I'm thinking under a red out, sky. No, no, no. I'm thinking oh, knocked out, out loaded, loaded, which is which uh, is really maybe the only only album in the discography that can give Rough and Rowdy Ways a run for its money in terms of most dog shit cover. Oh, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, we find ourselves at the beginning of side B of street legal. And uh, what happens when you do that? What happens if you take street legal out and you put on side B? Uh, you find yourself asking the question, is your love in vain? It's probably the closest we've gotten to like an emo, self-pitying relationship song. Since Nashville Skyline with Tell Me That It Isn't True. Yeah. I mean, this this one is a little bit more charged, perhaps, because you've got an actual uh, divorce on, on our hands. Bob's recently, he's single now, um, kind of, at least. He's not with his wife. And uh, this song is like a subtweet for the ages. Is your love in vain? Begins with the lyrics, "Do you love me, or are you just extending goodwill?" Which is one of the best lyrics on the whole record, <laughs> I think. 
really whiny, but the song works on those terms as in my opinion. Yeah, if, if that's what you're looking for out of a song, out of a Bob song, I if guess it, you, it if does. If you're 14 or mentally 14. Right. It, it, uh, I don't know. This one, this one is, is, I, I find myself giving it the side eye when it, when it rolls around. I, I think that this is, this has got the same sort of, I, I don't know if I would call it venom necessarily, but the same sort of, um, uh, spirit uh, that guided something like Positively Fourth Street, right? right? But but um, that song is so great, and the well, difference the, is this one's not. That's exactly it, right? It's yeah. like the 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 or or, or uh, Rolling Stone, uh, obviously, you know the the greatest song he's ever recorded, perhaps. Um, you perhaps, know the, these yeah. songs are are animated by this like vicious. Uh, sense of having been wronged, uh, but also having been right at the same time, right. and so he's sort of speaking to speaking to whoever this is uh, with this this authoritative voice, um, and uh, and and you know, kind of laughing in their face and and feeling triumphant. And I think you, what's you know, what's missing is that on those songs there is a certain amount of like. Uh, those songs don't feel desperate at all. They feel like self-assured. If anything, he's like kind of owning that he he was hurt and and like seamlessly throwing it. It's like someone throwing throws a grenade at him and he just catches it and lobs it back with full right. force. Here, you get the sense that the grenade exploded. He looks like Daffy Duck with his bill fucking backwards on his head and like the soot all over him. And then he picks up the already exploded grenade and sort of is trying to throw it back. Like it just you don't get the impression that he really thinks he was like not partly at fault here. Yes. It yeah, feels I- kind of desperate. Absolutely. I think that's exactly it. Like where, where before he has written from a position of strength, he is now writing from a position of weakness and, and attempting to act as if he might still be writing from that position of strength. But I, I think it's pretty clear that it is not, um, you know, it's not, it's not the same kind of guy. He doesn't feel like he's, he's going to be that world beating ass kicker that he was a decade ago at this point. He's, he's the guy on the cover of the album in the flared out jeans and the vest and the button down shirt, just looking down the road, like, you know, eh, what, like, what's coming my way now. Or like wondering, like, did I, did I, did I feed the, the parking meter? Am I about to get towed? <laughs> I locked my car. You know, I used to work on main street in Santa Monica. Um, I, I do know that. And, uh, I imagine at the time that Bob Dylan was recording this at run, uh, what was then Rundown Studios in Santa Monica, um, it was still kind of cool and vibey. Um, there's some faint vestiges of that uh, on Main Street in Santa Monica now, but basically it it sucks now. It's just like kind of bad new bars and tech offices and... Muji. Uh, yes. <laughs> the best thing in Santa Monica, though, is um, Shade J, which I don't know if you've ever been there. 
I've never uh, been to it, but I've walked by it many times right there, right off the beach. A wonderful place, which I'll be heartbroken if it doesn't survive uh, this awful cultural death that we're all, the plague, basically, we're all living under. But uh, Shay J in Santa Monica is the place to go if you want to, like, have a passable burger and just get, like, wasted uh, in sort of a old school environs with a bunch of like old people. It's awesome. It does sound like pretty good vibes. Wonder where where Bob went to like have dinner. And he pr- get he maybe went to Shay J. I You think? It's very possible. The place has been there forever. I'm trying to imagine him at like I mean I know it's not even there anymore, but like do you think do you think Bob Dylan ever went to Coogies and had like some zucchini bread? Uh, I don't know that that's what he had, but I think he probably, I don't know if he went to Coogies. He probably went to Froggies, though, when that was a place. Do you remember that? I do remember Froggies, yeah. I don't know that I ever went there. Froggies was in um, Topanga Canyon. Yeah. It's gone. Long gone. I think uh, Kyle Field, little you know, the Little Wings guy, uh, wrote a song about Froggies. Or I, in fact, I know that he did, and it's actually a really good song. Um, Shout out to him. He's a great songwriter. In any case, we should move on. What, what, what's the next song? Uh, the next song is uh, well. The next song is Senor. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, this is the only song that's really a survivor on this record. We should we should yeah. be clear that the last song was played how many times? Uh, Thirty one between February twenty eighth, nineteen seventy eight, and December eighth, nineteen seventy eight. Can Can you give me? A- a quick rundown of the stats because almost no songs have had a life outside of that period, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, besides besides the upcoming Senor, um, we've got uh, fourteen for True Love tends to wait. Uh, Ten, tends 15, to forget. Uh, tends to forget. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> you forgot. I'm thinking Buddy Holly. True Love waits. Um, uh, or no, excuse me. I'm thinking Radiohead. True Love waits. Buddy Holly's True Love ways. <laughs> Oh, uh, I'm thinking uh, Love Ways by Spoon. <laughs> we better talk this over. 15 plays uh, beginning July 4th, 1978. He celebrated the, the nation's birthday then. Um, although last played in 2000, so that was not too long ago. I guess that was still two decades ago at this point, though. And then Where Are You Tonight, final song, cool, 33 times, also not since 1978. Yeah, so this is really mostly a song, a, a record that has been consigned to that that single year, 1978, except for Senor. 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 It's cool. I kind of like Senor. I, uh, I can't say that I agree. It's kind of a slog, but it's a slog that I respect. And actually, I, I think that there's things to like about it, like, I think that the the kind of melancholy mood of it is nice. I like that it conjures up this image of uh, of Bob or or the narrator being kind of like lost in Mexico, sort of like wondering what what to do, asking some some old man, "Señor, what am I what am I to do?" I I find it uh evocative of something, which is more than you could say for uh, new pony yeah, that's which is evocative of nothing 
Yeah. I, I see that. Uh, I, I suppose I might might look more fondly upon Senor were it, uh, you know, a, a discarded track from the Pat Garrett sessions or something like that, because uh, it does seem like it fits into that, right, that right. whole scene uh, at the same time. Uh, I, I though I, I really just cannot abide the song based on the the sound alone, which has this very strong Eagles vibe to me. Um, just in like the the production, the way the guitars sound. Whoa, whoa, whoa. are you Ian? Are you somebody who doesn't like Hotel California? Uh, well, I uh, depend depends on how you look at that question. Um, just answer like, the question. Do you do like, like Hotel Ho- California? Uh, it, it can't be boiled down to a yes or no, I'm afraid. Ian, come on. You can answer that. I'm not asking if you like the Eagles. Do you like Hotel California? I like Hotel California. All right, that's a- it. Don't dig, your, <laughs> don't dig a grave for yourself. It's a great song. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't, I don't even like the Eagles. I don't even like think about them, but come on. I... Uh, I'm I'm a pretty staunch anti-Eagles guy. I realize that at this point, like the entire canon has been kind of reclaimed and and uh, uh, revitalized. Like all the all the cool indie kids who used to hate Grateful Dead now, everyone loves the Grateful Dead, for instance. Sure. Um, but um, the Eagles, uh, the I I just Eagles don't. I'm one. ambivalent about, but I I'm not going to say that Hotel California isn't like an amazing song. Hotel California is uh, is an amazing song and a great song uh, as a, as a sort of cultural totem. I think. Um, it, All right, well, whatever you need to say to yourself to sleep at night, Ian. <laughs> I, I have this I have this theory that that somewhere in Los Angeles, um, at any given moment, Hotel California is always being played on one radio station. Um, I I mean I think the world would end if at any point that stopped. Yeah, one radio is, station wasn't playing it. Like yeah. When the big one hits California and like 90% of people die and the Getty Center like slides into the ocean as the mystics and statistics say it will. Say it will. Um, I predict that, uh, yeah, yeah, it's because the Hotel California isn't on the radio. Well, Hotel California will absolutely be the the soundtrack for that, um, uh, for that that moment in time, uh, particularly probably when the Glenn Fry uh, guitar solo uh, begins to hit. It's a great song. Uh, Senior is nowhere near that, but uh, <laughs> I, I suppose we can move on. I mean, Senior, I think is good. You don't think is so good, dear listener. Listen to Senior and sound off in the comments. Let us know: Is Senior some Eagles bullshit, or is it a good song? Yeah. And is and is Ian wrong to even think about thinking that the the warm smell of coitas is not rising up through the air? <laughs> uh, if I have to read one more fucking time, uh, Don Henley talk about how he understands that wine is not a spirit, and I, that was <laughs> the point of the lyric. I fucking hate that. I kind of hate it, but like I can't help it. It's great. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm glad that it exists. I will say to to his credit, uh, you know, Boys of Summer from, uh, uh, I think that was '83 or something. That song is a is a is a real knockout. Um, as much as I hate him, but um, whatever. This isn't this isn't an Eagles cast. This isn't a Don Henley cast. Sound like Woody Allen calling it a knockout. <laughs> it's a knock. It's an absolute knockout. It's terrific. 
Uh, what's the next song? Uh, next one is going to be True Love Tends to Forget. Right, I forgot. I think this is a good one. Um, this, this brings back um, some good vibes that have been missing from this this second side of the record. Um, you know, kind of moving more uh, towards the, the tender spirit um, on this uh, on this kind of track, which I think really, really, those, those are the strongest songs on this album besides Changing of the Guards and, and I guess maybe the last one, um, um, uh, Where Are You Tonight, um, which are their own kind of beasts. Uh, but in between these, these tenderer kind of songs, Baby Stop Crying and then True Love Tends to Forget, this is, this is the stronger stuff for me. Again, this is like, you know, lyrically, this isn't really doing anything uh, particularly impressive. It's, it's sort of bread and butter, you know, simple, simple kind of stuff. Uh, um, you know, what do we got? You belong to me, baby, without any doubt. Don't forsake me, baby. Don't sell me out. Don't keep me knocking about from Mexico to Tibet. True love, true love, true love tends to forget. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, it works, but it, um, it's, uh, or it's, it's simple, but it works, I would say. Um, I don't know. You know, it, it's, uh, it, 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 it gets us back on track on this second side, as far as I'm concerned, after a couple less than stellar songs to start it off. It's really the first true blue romantic style ballad. I, I suppose that Senor is technically a ballad, but yeah, uh, true love tends to forget. From what I have read, it, it was one that, got its lyrics pretty late in the game. Like he kind of had a melody and just kind of, uh, figured it out eventually, but, uh, it's fine. I think, uh, like this, so when I was listening to it earlier, uh, like this is the song that really kind of crystallized it for me is the overall kind of like, you know, the, the tension on the record is, is that he is, Bob is, Bob is a songwriter, right? Like a singer songwriter, um, uh, in the very, you know, classical sense. Um, and, and this is, this is a studio record, basically, like I said, you know, at, at least as far as a studio record goes, you know, for him, certainly, certainly much more so than something like, uh, Blood on the Tracks or Desire, which were the preceding studio efforts. And so there's this, there's this tension between the singer songwriter making the studio record. Um, and it's, it's just not, it's not ever resolved, uh, satisfactorily in one way or the other, like the studio, you know what we get in terms of the sonics and the the backing vocals and the the instrumentation and the the mixing and stuff. That's not particularly satisfying. It doesn't sound like a Steely Dan record. Um, you know, it's it's just kind of half-assed as far as studio productions go. But then the lyrics at the same time, like, you know, it, the, barring a couple more notable examples, really the first and last tracks on this record, I think, you know, there, there's there's not a whole lot of of um, interesting material there or, or really, you know, strong, weighty, weighty lyrics, which is where he usually shines. And so at the end of the day, you're just left with this record that like, you know, it, it doesn't sound crisp and clean and, and good enough to impress just from a clearly like surface level, like glossy kind of thing. But then there isn't, you know, there isn't quite enough like beneath the surface to really keep you coming back for the most part for some of these tracks, um, you know, give or take again, a couple of the couple of the stands out, uh, standouts, but that's, um, that's, uh, I guess maybe a, a, a reason why Bob ends up going in the direction that he goes after this record, um, which is not a complete 180, but definitely, you know, he's taking a left turn after this. 
It's it's actually not even a left or right turn. I I would say that it's a uh, it it's an up. It's a, he goes he goes a, sky, up. a skyward turn. He yeah. ascends to the to the spiritual plane. Yeah, I mean, the, I think that this record represents a certain kind of specific weirdness. Uh, I suppose can only be really accounted for by thinking about it as the only original record that Bob does um, in this period. I mean, the Christian records, which are to come, are that's that's something that takes up a, a quite a chunk of time. And uh, so if you're looking at Bob's career, uh, this is a unique place between like a major traumatic uh, emotional event, his divorce, and something which I think we'll get into when we talk about the Christian records is potentially what he found to cling to, holding on to as a as a life raft, really, to see him through to the next phase of his career. Right. right. This point, when, when we talk about it as being like the open water, it really is. I mean... It's emotionally and creatively a a time of Bob just coming up with something. Not to diminish the creative aspect of of the Christian records out of hand, but um, they certainly at least have a theme that they all adhere to. This record doesn't. It just goes where it goes. And in that way, I think that's what makes it a sort of thrilling listen if you're invested in Bob as a, as an artist at this point, it keeps it compelling even through songs like uh, this, which are, in my opinion, a little middling. Yeah, yeah, it, it it's it's one of the moments in his career when you can see him going any any number of different directions. Um, uh, you know, from this point forward, um, and like I, I I was looking again, doing some research from some sources wherever they may have come from. Uh, and apparently he was really affected by the death of Elvis in 1977, which occurred when he was in the middle of writing this record. And he was really into the, you know, the latter day kind of thing that Elvis was doing with these big, uh, blown out bands and, and big, you know, fancy big kind of fried banana sandwiches. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe not that element. Bob has always remained uh, pretty, pretty live and skinny. Um, but, great metabolism. Yeah. Um, the uh, the uh, th- that really kind of uh, done up uh, ritzy schmaltzy kind of thing that Elvis was into towards the the end of his life um, is is sort of I guess what Bob <laughs> was thinking was cool um, and uh, and was was trying to emulate to the best of his ability and this is what we get and Budokan is what we get in terms of a live record um, which will be a very very fun one to talk about apparently American critics uh, dubbed this his um, both his alimony tour and his, uh, his Las Vegas tour, uh, when he was out on the road, both terms, which, uh, which, which sort of rubbed him the wrong way and made him a little hurt, self-conscious. It hurt his feelings. Bob's not immune to getting his feelings hurt. No, he's, uh, he in fact is, is quite sensitive. Uh, and, and, uh, despite his, his protestations to the contrary occasionally, you know, I think he's very attuned to what the general public thinks about him and what the press has to say about him. And, uh, and, and, you know, he, he, he's very, 
or maybe he isn't like this anymore, you know, since he's, he's, uh, the old man on the mountain these days, but for a while there, uh, throughout most of his career, he was, he was very dialed into his, his appearance in, in the, the culture at large, I think. What's the next song, Ian? So, well, we're getting, getting close to the end now. This is going to, uh, this is going to be another, well, uh, maybe less successful one as far as I'm concerned. We better talk this over. Right. I don't like this song that much. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is sort of a, a return to um, the more, you know, uh, macho, guitar-forward, uh, swaggering kind of sound that, that we get on New Pony. Th- that and, works so well on New Pony. All right, yeah, exactly. I, you know, I think this one does work a, l- a little better than than New Pony, um, for instance, but it's still, like, you know, it, it fits into that same category of song, which is just not not really doing it for me at least as far as i'm concerned i don't i really don't think we need to spend much time on it and it's like an okay ballad but like i just don't believe it that much is is my issue with it i just don't feel like it has that much intention behind it yeah the one thing i was going to say about this song is uh, and this you know applies to other tracks on the record too at this point but this song in particular i think like y- you can kind of tell that he doesn't really he doesn't. He doesn't think that he has it on this song, lyrically speaking. Like he he knows that this isn't really the you know <laughs> this isn't the next Rolling Stone, for instance, uh, or the next uh, Sad Eyed Lady of the Lowlands. Or right, something. but but that that brings up an an interesting concept or question, which is like, if you're Bob Dylan, you know that you have those high, high, high bars that you could sort of rouse yourself and attempt to clear those. Uh, Or you could think about the other songs that you've done at this point, which are extremely simple songs like the ones on uh, like tonight, I'll be staying here with you or Mm -hmm. anything from that in that ilk. And uh, the ones that fail, I think are at this point are, are the ones that don't make a decisive choice between those two poles where a lot of the songs on this record kind of fall in the middle, uh, which is not a great spot for Bob to be in terms of critical acclaim because it seems to introduce this other possibility that maybe Bob is attempting greatness and does not have it anymore. Yeah. I think that's exactly it. We, at this point, know that that's not really the case because there are points that we we will continue to discover and even points early on in this record. Like, uh, I think that uh, Changing of the Guards, for example, is a song that ultimately is a great Bob Dylan song. Um, even if there's only one of those on this record, uh, we know later yeah. on Bob's capable of doing some of his best stuff. Right. I think there's, there's one more, uh, more than one great Bob song in here. And that might be the one that we get to last, uh, in a moment. Uh, but, but yeah, I I think that that's, um, I think that's a a great point. Like him realizing or, or fearing perhaps that he doesn't have it anymore. 
like in the in the past, he he's gone through these phases, or you know, before before this record has come out, he's gone through these phases. That was that was the whole like post New Morning kind of period, right? From seventy to seventy four, really, when all he did was act in Pat Garrett and record the soundtrack. Um, uh, but like he he had deliberately kind of withdrawn himself from the the public uh, eye and was just kind of vibing uh, with his family and doing his thing. Uh, and not trying to reach these, you know, titanic heights that he'd been capable of just a few years before, but now he's now he is still trying to put himself out there in in uh, in the eye of the public, and he is putting out these big blown out records, and he is assembling a big band and going on a world tour and playing in Japan and shit. Addressing crazy. I mean, we haven't even talked about the back <laughs> cover of this record. <laughs> I'd never Think seen about- that picture before. I, that was that was a surprise to me. Just shocking choices. Yeah, really, really not good. The whole 70s, the whole of the 70s is, I think, more than we acknowledge in the public imagination was a bizarre and ugly period in terms of American (laughs) stylistic aesthetics. And uh, one movie that, if I'm going to give it any credit at all for kind of capturing this, is, um, well, there's two movies. There's uh, Casino... The Martin Scorsese picture. Ace Ace Rothstein (laughs) in those beautiful, like, yellow buttercream suits with the lapels that reach his shoulders and, like, the pinstripe shirts. It's, that's vibes. Right. Another movie that I think actually at least attempts this and and gets at some of the uncanny quality was uh, Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. (laughs) A movie that I I think actually, uh, if nothing else, um, shot for the stars or or the mud as the case may be and uh landed in the mustard colored aesthetic world of mid to late 70s costume right i i i guess like when you when you think of the 70s or when i think of the 70s at least in terms of like style uh icons like my mind flashes either to like john travolta saturday night fever or uh, the Ramones on the cover of Ramones, or, um, you know, Lindsey Buckingham, uh, you know, coked out of his mind, coked up out of his mind in uh, in the studio. Um, and in reality... In reality, it's Bob Dylan wearing a, a Hawaiian shirt and a vest at the same time. <laughs> it really was. It really does does appear to have been just like a blatant cry for help upon upon looking back at it. Uh, but you know, that's, that's what we got with Bob. Uh, I guess, uh, I guess maybe we should wrap this up right with our last, uh, our last track here, which I think bookends the record really nicely. Um, as far as I'm concerned at least, and, and kind of provides a counterpoint to changing of the guards, which is, you know, I, I think far and away the strongest song on side a, where are you tonight? Where are you tonight? Uh, with the interesting parenthetical title journey through dark heat. Right, we didn't even talk about the parenthetical title of Senor, which is Tales of Yankee Power. Yankee Power, yes. Okay. I don't even know. <laughs> we've we've talked about it now. Uh, but yeah, uh Dark Heat, yeah, which doesn't actually appear anywhere in the um in the song. Um uh, you know, the word heat does, I guess I'm looking at it right now with the command F, yeah. Uh we do get where she bathed in a stream of pure heat. Um, but there isn't, there isn't anything about, uh, dark heat anywhere, nor is there, nor does the word journey actually appear anywhere in the song. So it's a, it's a sort of a, a mood setting 
parenthetical title that doesn't actually relate to the lyrics, which is kind of interesting. I love that it it begins with that that bongo intro. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of bongos on this record. They're they're not quite as apparent as they have been on previous uh, previous recordings, but they they are there on a lot. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, yeah, in terms of you know closing closing the record and squaring the circle, I think this is this this is the other song on this record uh, that fits into this sort of tambourine man, uh, kaleidoscopic uh, you know uh, motion picture kind of um, jumping all over the place lyric um, with uh, with Bob here, um, and and I, I think it really works uh, for me. I, apparently, it's it's about like a uh, he's given interviews about it being like a about like a battle uh with the the person within yourself you know trying to you know de- determine who you are and and uh what kind of person uh you should be and and uh, have have been over over your life uh which i i guess i don't i don't know that i can point to a specific place here uh in the lyric that 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 references that necessarily but um it is it's 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 clearly a personal kind of song and it's all over the place and it um it, it it gives me that that same kind of uh, chill feeling that uh that I get on the on the first track on changing of the guards and then really just kind of disappears from from there on out this song actually if any song is kind of like tangled up in blue i i think this song reminds me of it a little bit yeah i um, see that we've got like the bit about her father, who is full blood Cherokee, saying that they were gonna like break up at a certain time, or or something like that. Right. Um, I fought with my twin, that enemy within, till both of us fell by the way. Horseplay and mm-hmm. disease is killing me by degrees, while the law looks the other way. That was mm-hmm. a lyric that stuck with me. It was horseplay and disease is killing me by degrees. While while the law looks the other way, um, horseplay carrying a lot of weight there. Horseplay, horseplay, call back to new pony looking to play with the horse, and just the general idea of horseplay, which at this point in the late seventies probably includes all manner of debauchery and the reasons why Bob looks like hammered dog shit throughout this whole period. Um, <laughs> One might guess, but it's one of the better songs on the album, and I think it's a really wise choice to uh, use as a closer, just because it uh, it has it has a little something which you can't say for every song on here. Yeah, I, I wish I had more to say about this song because um, I feel like there is more to say about it, but I, I don't know that I've formulated enough of enough you know enough to say really and, and be legible or coherent really uh whatsoever i think there's there's a lot here and and i really want to continue digging into this one you know i've, I've given street legal several cursory listens in the past but i i don't know that i really ever uh, devoted any serious time to uh digging into it the way that um you know that i have on on blood on the tracks or desire or whatever um until until you know getting ready for this so um so there's there's more uh, there's there's more time to spend on on a track like this but I'm glad you know I'm glad that this song exists because you know it's it's I think it's it's a it's a great pristine gem of of Bob's songwriting from a moment in time when he was still 
near the peak of his powers, even if he wasn't firing on all cylinders at all times. And uh, and I you know I, I don't know each and every lyric and uh, and chord and uh, drum fill the way that I do for you know all of the all of the songs and records from the 10, 15 years before this. There's there's still there's still stuff I can I can discover. Yeah, and uh, speaking of the drum fills, I I actually really like a lot of the drums and the playing on this record. I think it's like mm-hmm. the drums uh, have this kind of a sweet spot of being like a kind of new uh new wavy without being like too new wavy feel to them or they <laughs> they're t- they're tight and like terse but in in the service of something kind of as like a, more rootsy as being the goal but they they still've got those like really tight like percussive like tom fills and like really taut uh, snare licks like it's it's really crisp and while still being kind of uh limber uh, i i like the drumming who is the drummer on this record it was originally uh um howie wyeth, howie wyeth. i think yeah from rolling thunder right. but he had a pretty bad heroin habit during the uh, recording and so he ended up getting kicked out and then i think it's the guy from king crimson Oh, um, wow. let me see. No, excuse me. Uh, Denny Sywell, uh, who was in Wings. Okay. Well, in any case, it's it's nice, uh, crispy drum playing, and uh, I like it. I, I think it really holds things down. And um, another thing that occurs to me is that this song is like uh, it brings to mind. Where Where are you tonight, Sweet Marie? From uh, from from an older song, absolutely, sweet Marie. Yes, where he says, "Where are you tonight?" Uh, this is the end of Street Legal, and it's all open highway from here. We've got uh, we've really got some fun ones coming up. I think I'm I'm particularly particularly interested to dive into Budokan. Uh, next week, which is really one of, one of the the more fascinating moments in his career, I think. Truly, and uh, well, the third live album and a real uh, what's the nicest way to say this? Imaginative approach, yeah. an inspired approach, perhaps. And then, uh, and then, yeah, our first kind of, um, or I don't know about first, but uh, the next, the next major phase of his career, mini phase uh, with the with the Christian records. When I think we might have uh, at least one interesting uh, guest uh, join us to to talk about one of those. Hopefully, everything works out. The Christian records are slightly foreshadowed here because uh, I seem to recall a lot of mention of Babylon on this record. At least a lot of rhyming attempts with Babylon. Babylon does pop up at least uh at least once. Uh, and yeah, I think there is some more kind of Christian imagery in this last in this last track too. Uh there's a new day at dawn and I've finally arrived. If I'm there in the morning, baby, you'll know I've survived. Uh I can't believe it. I can't believe I'm alive. But without you it just doesn't seem right. Oh, where are you tonight? Uh, I guess maybe not that one so much, but I, yeah, I bit into the root of forbidden fruit, 
with the juice running down my leg. Um, there's some other uh, references to saints or something in here. You know, I, I think he is in the process of having this whole Christian uh, reinvention happen right now, but he hasn't committed to it wholesale the way that he's about to, uh, you know, on, on the next record. The next studio record for it anyway. But uh, you just have to keep listening on and listen through our discussion of <laughs> Bob Dylan in Nippon, in the land of the rising sun. That's going to be a, a, a fun little diversion on the way to salvation. Indeed. The gates of uh, the gates of Eden, we could say. One might say this. Jokerman. Hi, this is Evan. We realized after the show uh, was recorded that we neglected to deliver our star rankings um, out of three, the three-star system ranking system. Um, And so I actually have some comments from Ian about what he wanted to award this record, and I'd like to read those now before I present my own. My dearest Evan, I'm glad we forgot to give Street Legal a rating at the end of the pod as it has allowed me further time to consider it and the three-star system in general. While several tracks, New Pony, Is Your Love in Vain, are among the very worst Bob has ever recorded up until this point, we must consider the album itself a success, as it established a precedent by which Bob would abide for the rest of his career. Never content to trade on the glories of his past, Bob would continue to follow the muse wherever it led over the following years and decades. Some of these directions were more fruitful than others, but they never failed to fascinate. To this day, Bob remains on the road, headed for another joint, a journey begun in large part with Street Legal. Two out of three stars. Now I'll present mine. Like Ian, I've also had time to dwell on this record uh, and digest its meaning for myself, uh, which I've been grateful for. While this is certainly a flawed album, it's also one which I think has added to the richness of the cultural and musical landscape of its day and continues to stand apart as a unique artifact from a time uh, in American popular culture during the waning days of the 1970s, a time of transition and restlessness and uh, aesthetic confusion, which has maybe more in common with our current moment than is always comfortable to realize. And I think that makes this what you call a timeless record. Two out of three stars. Nope.